When I was in high school, middle school, I guess, playing basketball or participating in basketball, I don't, <clears throat> there was a reason I, I don't want to use the word playing. There was a lot of people that were much better than me. <clears throat> but I remember our coach <clears throat> would sometimes use the phrase a triple threat position. And he would say, you got to be able to do the three Ds. And what he meant by that was I had to be able to dribble. So he needed to be able to dribble because there's times when you need to be able to dribble. He said you need to be able to drive, which meant that I would go toward the basket and try to score. And then probably what he was <laughs> saying to me more than anything, you need to be able to dish. You need to pass it to somebody else. And probably pass it and go sit down would have been the best option sometimes for me. But three Ds. And so... I have decided <coughs> over the course of this um, year, once one e one Sunday evening a month, I want to speak about a woman from the Bible. We talked about Mary last month, and I thought I would do something with Ruth. And as I was sort of looking and trying to figure out exactly the approach I wanted to see, I came across something that said that the, the exact title is taken straight from there right here. Ruth, Dedication devotion and determination. I thought, well, those are three Ds, kind of like in uh, kind of like in basketball. But those are three apt descriptions of Ruth, and we're going to look at that here this evening. But also, those are three things that we would probably hope would be used to describe us, even from a description of us that might be in our family, or it might be at our job, and hopefully for us as a Christian as well, that we would be what Ruth is right here, de dedicated devoted, and determined. <clears throat> and so that's what we're going to talk about here this evening. We're going to look at each of those three over the course of our time together. Now to start with, I want to do a real quick sort of refresher course on the book of Ruth. And that's one of the earlier books in the Old Testament. You might want to be turning there. Uh, if you flip through, it's only going to be a couple, of, a couple hundred pages in um, earlier in the Old Testament. But the book of Ruth begins with the story of Elimelech, Naomi, and her sons leaving Bethlehem and going to Moab for food. We see this quite often in the Bible, and you can see this even today in a place like Israel, that it's sort of a dry, somewhat barren place. And today it's a little bit easier because of irrigation and some things like that. But quite often in the Bible, places would suffer food, uh, food shortages. And we see in the story of uh, Joseph, that, that was part of the reason that it happened there. When he was sold off by his brothers, then later on in the story, they come because Israel's out of food. And so while they've gone to Moab, Moab, while there, the sons of Elimelech and Naomi married, and Naomi then gained two daughter-in-law, daughters-in-law. Ruth was one, and Orpah was the other. Within though about ten years, Naomi had, Naomi had lost her husband and both sons, <coughs> which is certainly a tragic thing for the time period. And when Naomi learns then that Israel has bread and there's food there, they can, uh, the drought has ended, <clears throat> she then returns to Bethlehem. Naomi, though, encouraged her daughters-in-law to go back to their people. And that's what we read about there just a moment ago. However, Ruth wouldn't. Ruth gave up her people, her religion, her very life to care for another. 
And so the question that we're going to look at tonight is what we can learn from Ruth. What we can learn from what Ruth did. So let's start with the first one, which is <coughs> dedication. <coughs> we know what it means to be dedicated, right? We know people that are dedicated to whatever the situation might be. They may be dedicated to things that are good. They could be dedicated to things that are bad. But Ruth dedicated herself to Naomi. I want to start with the story there in Ruth chapter 1. And we're going to start looking at verse 6. <coughs> Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. We're going to read through chapter uh, through verse 18. So it's a little bit longer, but I think it's worth what we're going to read here. Starting in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And so we can see here to start with that Naomi is sending them back. She says, you have, you have shown yourself that you made into my family, but my husband has died and my sons have died, and it's time for you to go back to your own place, wherever it was that you came from, and you can perhaps restart. You can maybe marry a new husband, and you can have a new life. And you'd be without me, Naomi's saying, but nonetheless, you can still do this. <clears throat> Verse 10. And they said to her, <clears throat> Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, and go. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And so we read here, and we stop there for just a moment, but we read here, Naomi says, it doesn't make sense for you to do this. She said, I'm too old to get married, but let's say I did get married, and let's say I was able to have kids, it's going to be 20 years before you can marry Think about the time here that's going to be lost for you. She's in a sense saying what we would maybe say today, it's impractical for you to wait for this amount of time. It's impractical for you to stay with me. And when we think about things in a practical sense, and we'll talk about it here a little bit more in just a second, she's right. It was impractical right here. Because as a single woman then, it's quite different than the notion of being a single woman today. And so after she says this, then let's look a little bit further. <clears throat> Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And, oh, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. And so it seems as if Orpah sort of heard this second story from Naomi and thought, she's probably right. And I don't necessarily blame her in this situation. She probably did make the right decision. But Ruth clings to her. In verse 16, Ruth said, what we just read a moment ago, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. <coughs> and then wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. 
Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so for excuse me. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. <clears throat> so whenever she makes this statement here, she is in a sense saying, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'll be here with you the whole time. In verse 18, it's kind of interesting how it says that. She said, when she saw that she was determined to go with her, Naomi stopped speaking. It was almost like, I can talk a little bit more, but I don't think it's really going to work right here. She's bound and determined <clears throat> to come with me. So she made a choice. Ruth chose to stay with Naomi. She didn't seek personal gain in her choice. Think about that for a second. Naomi really had nothing to offer Ruth for saying. As far as Ruth knew, she was going back to Israel. She's going to live with the widow, and she's going to die. And the widow's going to die. Naomi's going to die. And then Ruth will die sometime after that. She gave up what we would say her own personal comforts for this choice. Think about that for a second. She abandoned the gods and her people. That's one of the first things Naomi says. And she said, go back to your people. Go back to your religion. Go back to your family, way of life, whatever it might be. But Ruth chose to make Naomi's God her God as well. So think about this for a second. Does our love show true dedication today? Well, we have made a choice to follow God, right? That's a choice that was made. I don't know when that choice was made. It was sometime in your life. You probably got a calendar that would say when it was. But we have made this choice. Luke chapter 9, verse 62 says, But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And so we see that our choice has a long-standing sort of idea there that goes with it. That when we, put our, when we make this choice, we're committed to it. Ruth had made a choice here to Naomi. She was hooked to her, sort of like the animal was to the plow. He was going to be there the whole way through. And that commitment is the same thing that we see today. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Ruth made a lasting choice with real consequences. There's sometimes when we make a choice, there's not a whole lot of consequences to it. There's really nothing riding on it. We were talking there before, who do we hope wins the Super Bowl? Well, I don't even know who I hope wins the Super Bowl. I kind of like them both. But even if I said, I hope the Chiefs win and the Eagles win the game instead, I don't really have any kind of consequence to that at all. Even if it was my favorite team, there's not much consequence to it. But there's definite consequences to the idea of following God. It requires the dedication. So the question is, do we sometimes make choices? Do we sometimes even follow God for the perspective of seeking some kind of personal gain? You know, do you know anybody who has followed God to make the family happy? You know anybody who followed God just to make the family happy? Sometimes that happens, right? Well, I go to church because mom and dad sort of make me go. Or I don't want to make mom and dad upset or whatever. And that's something that sometimes happens. <clears throat> sometimes we follow God because of societal pressures. You know anybody who said, well, I'm going to go to this church because this is where people in the community that have high standing and it might allow me to get a job here or get a job there. I'm going to, well, why are you there? Well, those are some societal. Are you truly dedicated to this or are you just sort of looking to gain something from it in the process? <coughs> First Timothy 6 and verse 5 condemns people who think that godliness is a way of personal gain. Look in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 5. It says, Useless ravings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of, uh, a means of gain. 
From such, he says, withdraw yourself. So these people that might be looking at the church and saying, what can I gain from this? Right? What can, how can this benefit me? That's the wrong approach. Ben has talked about this often in preaching sermons and classes, is that it shouldn't be, what can I gain from the church? But rather, what can I give to the church, right? Now, when we give, there'll be some gain to it as well. Can you list the things that you've gained from the church? Probably so. We've probably gained friendships and relationships. We've probably gained knowledge and, and, and we've gained all of these kinds of things. But that's only because we've put something into it. If you're not putting anything into it, the odds are you're not going to gain anything from it. And if our approach is just to go get something from it without any kind of giving ourselves, we'll probably not gain anything along the way. Ruth expected no favors from Naomi. So the question is then, are we willing to give up personal comforts in order to do God's will? Well, that sounds pretty easy, but it's not necessarily the easiest thing. There's not necessarily any real sacrifice. We talked about this a little bit this morning, right? Sometimes it's nice, you know, to have the church. It's like, well, I don't have to do anything. I just go in there and sit, and they talk to me, and they do this, and they do that. But what am I gaining from it? That's lip service, right? I'm going to have some, as we might say today, some skin in the game. But those problems, uh, we might proclaim love for God until it's sort of inconvenient for us. Paul's attitude in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 probably fits it best. He said, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ, right? Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. What Paul is saying right there is that I've not really maybe gained things in the sense that you would think. It's not been an easy trip for it, but all the things that I've gained, it's only been to benefit Christ. That, or, that was the only goal of what Paul was saying. Ruth gave these things up, and Ruth's love shows true dedication. But what about devotion then? Well, Ruth devoted herself to Naomi. We know what the word devotion is, right? Sometimes you'll hear the word devoted right around the time of a marriage, right? You're devoting yourself to that person, whatever it might be. Well, in Ruth chapter 2, if you'll turn over maybe a page if you need to, Ruth chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we read. And Boaz answered, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a second, but Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. And how you have left your father and mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now, that, to me, in those couple of verses, not only did people see what Ruth had done, but they almost seemingly were talking about it, right? There was almost this sense of, I can't believe somebody did that. Why is that? Well, probably because most people would have made the decision that Orpah made, right? That we would have went back. Most people would have looked at this and thought, what did she have to gain from saying? But she was devoted to Naomi in this sense. There has to be a similar type of devotion for us as well. She worked in order to feed Naomi. I was looking back through when we did a lesson about each of the books of the Bible, and we talked about how the work, I think I actually taught it on a Sunday morning for one reason or another, but we talked about the work that Ruth did. Because it wasn't just an easy, well, we'll both sit at home and just be happy as can be. She went out into the fields, and the Bible says she gleaned the grain. She cared for Naomi in her old age. 
And she was even willing to marry a virtual stranger who Boaz was to accomplish this goal. Now, the devotion here exhibits a great trust in others, right? And so not only that, that demonstrates a true self-sacrifice. It would have been easy if you had said, well, I'm going to live with this woman here, Naomi, because she's a millionaire and I won't ever have to do anything. But it sounds to me like in the story that she was living with a, I don't know what's the word, if you don't have a dollar in there, right? That's probably not the right word. But they lived in a bad situation. They were poor. She had to go out and work really hard. And she worked in an area that was not very comfortable or easy for her. She worked in a dangerous setting. But she was so devoted to what she was doing. So our question is, does our love show true devotion today? Well, do we understand the value of labor for those that we love. Ephesians 4, 28. Let's go there for a second. Let him who stole, the Bible says what? Steal no longer, right? But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Paul is saying there to the people of Ephesus that whatever you've done in the past, you put that stuff behind. If you stole, you're not going to do that anymore. You're going to work. And the reason that we're going to work is to do what? Pile up stacks for ourselves is not what that says, right? It says we're going to work so that we have something to give to someone else who might be in need. That should be our whole goal for our work. Our devotion is not to benefit us, but to help others. Our need is to help care for the helpless. That may sound familiar to you. What does James chapter 1 verse 27 say, right? That's what that's described as pure religion, helping widows and orphans in their time of affliction, right? The people that are the lowest, that need the most help, that are in the most difficult situation. Well, that's what Naomi was, right? Naomi could have been described as the widow in this case. In many ways, you could argue that Ruth was the orphan in this case. She'd left her family, she had nothing there. That's who is supposed to help. That should be our devotion as well. But are we willing to make that kind of sacrifice? You know, the Bible says that pure, or that says that, that we should uh, truly love something, we should be willing to lay down our lives for them. I think that's talking about a physical death. But is there a sacrifice that we're willing to make so that we can help serve someone else? You know people that have been in this situation. People that were married to somebody who just couldn't help themselves for whatever reason. And they spent years of their life solely focused on helping that person. There's no greater dedication than that. There's no greater devotion than that right there. Are we willing to make that kind of devotion to God? It's a difficult, difficult question. Ruth's love shows us, though, an example of that true devotion. Let's go to the third. What about determination? Well, I think Ruth determined a handful of things. Number one, Ruth determined to go with them. Do you know anybody that you would describe as determined? You ever known somebody that's determined? They're going to do it if it kills them, right? If, they, if it kills them, they're going to do this. Now, there were people that play basketball, and this was not me. I was never quite as determined as that. But there are people, when they start to dribble that ball toward the basket, like we talked about a minute ago, if they were to get run over by a truck, they're still going to get to the basket and take that shot. It's not going to, nothing is going to stop them. If we are determined, then we're saying there might be 10 brick walls in the way, but I'm going to run through all 10 in order to get to whatever the goal is there. Ruth determined to go with Naomi to the point where Naomi just quit talking to her. She said, hey, nothing's going to happen if me talking to her. She determined as well, Ruth, did to work for Naomi. We talked a little bit about this a second ago, but this is a hostile time for women, for a single woman. Men often look to take advantage of people like Ruth. 
And it would have been understandable if she didn't want to go and do the work. I completely would have understood that. But she went. She was also determined to marry Boaz to support Naomi. We can see that in Ruth chapter 3, verse 5. We read a little bit about it in Ruth 2 as well. The law of Israel had a provision for marriage if no male child was with the family. And Ruth followed the customs of the day to marry Boaz under this law. And she was doing what was under a law that she really didn't grow up in or was not really part of. She had committed herself to that as well. Nothing could stop her from these tasks. So does our love then show true determination today? Well, a couple of questions. Are we determined to, quote unquote, go ye when the Lord tells us to go? Think about that for a second. What does the Bible say? So go ye into all the world, right? Are we determined to do that? The program, Josh is familiar with this. Dad, you probably are as well. But the program over in Richmond that they had where they would send preachers out to churches that were smaller, maybe didn't have full-time preachers. That, church, that service at the Richmond Church of Christ was called Go Ye. Josh, you remember that? And so that was taken from the Great Commission, that title, to go ye into all the world. Are we determined to go ye into the world? Not necessarily to preach. That's not the job of everybody. But to help grow the church. That's what the Great Commission was. If the Great Commission was only for the preachers, if it only mattered, those last handful of verses of the book of Matthew only mattered to the preacher, then it wouldn't be anything for you. There's no dedication. There's no devotion. There's no determination. But our responsibility is to go out into all the world, teaching others, but also showing others what a Christian should be like as well. Do we, as the song says, work for the night is coming when the Lord tells us to work? Do we do that? You know, I said, well, I don't know that there's any work that needs to be done. I'm going to ask a real quick question to the elders. Has there ever been a time when there was no work that needed to be done? It would be nice, right? But I kind of think the same way when I'm at school. It feels like whenever there's time, to, it feels like I, I get everything done. It's like the minute I feel like I get something done, you get an email from the principal that says, you need to do this. It's like, oh, man. I, and then all of a sudden, the list just keeps getting. There's always something that needs to be done. And so the Bible says, or the song that we talk about says, work for the night is coming, right? Because there is always work that needs to be done. But then the song said, for the, eventually, There'll be no more time to work, right? The, soon the day will be over. There'll be no more time to work. Do we have that determination today? Is there anything that can stop us from doing it? Well, I think there's one thing, right? You could say death, but I don't mean that. But is there anything that can stop us? Well, probably us, right? Because we are faced with a choice. Will and I talked about in the class this morning about you're being faced with a choice. It was a yes or a no choice. Well, if there's work to be done, with a yes or a no choice, right? We'll either do it or we won't do it. Well, what choice did Ruth make? Every single time in this book of Ruth, we see the choice was made. What will do? What I? What can I do to benefit Naomi? What can I do to help our family, whatever the family would be described as, right there? Ruth's love showed true determination. So the question is. Can we show the same thing? Well, I think so. But sometimes we struggle with our dedication and our devotion and our determination, right? You know, have you ever felt like you sort of struggle with this? And, well, I'm not as dedicated to something as I once was. I'm not as devoted. I'm not as determined to it. Well, that's fine because that happens from time to time. We sort of lose focus on these things. But I think that's why these stories are in the Bible. I think that's why these lessons are in the Bible. It's for us to be able to go back to look at precedent that was set, to look at examples that were given, so that we can say, I would like 
to be like that. Think about the stories that are in the Bible. Think about the stories like Ruth and maybe the stories that aren't like Ruth. We're going to emphasize one like this because this is what we should be. But we're not going to emphasize the one. Remember when he said no man had to put his head, you know, head to the pl- hand to the plow and then turn him back? That guy only got a few mentions in the story, right? They didn't really refer back to him at all because he had already made his decision. But our decision should be the one that Ruth makes here as well. There should be nothing that stands in the way of that in the process. If there's anything that can be done, any way we can help you in whatever it is, we'd invite you to come while we stand and sing.